You're listening to Expat Property Story, a podcast in which I share my story to smooth the way for you to have your own Expat Property Story. Hello there. Welcome to episode 25, the third in our daily pocket-sized tax series in collaboration with Sean, the property tax accountant from the Caribbean. And if you want to know more about Sean, why not head back to episode 23, where Sean talks about his own property story and, like all our guests, provides a free joke. A joke on the house, you might say. Today's conversation is all about group structures, but before we dive in, a quick reminder that this podcast has been prepared for informational purposes only. So speak to your own tax, legal and accounting advisors before making any transaction. In the last episode, we talked about the pros and cons of owning property through limited companies. In this episode, we're going to talk about the concept of group structures and holding companies. Yes. So let's firstly define a term. And that term is SPV or special purpose vehicle. I often hear investors say, yes, I need to set up an SPV. And then I say, oh, yes, so you need to set up a limited company. And they say, no, I need to set up an SPV. An SPV has no real legal recognition here. An SPV is just simply a standard limited company that you set up using company's house. And all it has is a very specific, what's called a SIP code, a standard industry classification code. That's a code that is just designated when incorporating a company and can also change further down the line. So it just signifies what that company's intention and strategy is. So is it buying and holding properties for rental purposes, or is it developing or trading properties such as flipping? So these SIP codes are really, really important, actually, because often you'll find is that mortgage companies, again, talk to your mortgage broker, mortgage companies will not lend to companies that are perhaps operating multiple property strategies. So perhaps a company that's doing both buy-to-let and flipping. Mortgage companies see this as, as too risky. And in particular, they see flipping as much higher risk than, say, plain vanilla buy-to-let. And the reason for this is, is that flip could go wrong. And if that happens, then the mortgage on the buy-to-let might not be paid. And therefore, they would like to see this separation. So my recommendation, as I always make to my clients, is make sure you don't mix strategies, have a separate company for your buy-to-let business and perhaps your flipping business, or if you're doing rent-to-rent or letting, something like that, they should all be in, in separate companies. So therefore, make sure that you set them up as separate companies and then make sure that they also have the right SIP codes. They're easy to forget to, to change further down the line. On one of our recent episodes, our special mortgage episode, Simon Allen told us that a lot of his clients, they might start with buy-to-lets, then they might move on to HMOs, and then they may move into a kind of a strategy of buying, say, for example, a Victorian house on three floors, turn it into three flats, and then split the titles from a freehold into three leasehold flats, for example. What would you recommend if of those three flats, they decide to sell one and hold two? How does that work? In that case, this is where, again, using separate companies is ideal. And in particular, if a group structure is used, And the reason why a group structure is really important is because they allow many benefits and simplifications and and allow certain transactions to be effectively tax-free when uh, companies within the same group are made. So, for example, it avoids perhaps 
capital gains tax or stamp duty and, and things like that or, or dividend taxes. So probably best before we get into the specifics to really outline well, what is a group or what are the risks or challenges with not using a group. So say, for example, that a lot of investors will flip a property in order to fund the purchase of future buy-to-lets. So let's say, for example, that an individual owns a company, they flip a property within that company, and they, they want to use that money for the buy-to-let, and that buy-to-let is in a different company, and that's for the reasons I've already outlined. But they want to be able to move funds from one company to the other on a permanent basis. So one option would be to pay dividends to themselves. That could be very, very expensive because of dividend tax. And obviously, that then means is that there's far less funds to be able to invest in that buy-to-let company. So the solution to this is to create a group structure whereby a holding company owns both the flipping company and the buy-to-let company. And then the property investor, they own the shares in the holding company. So effectively, they own the entire group. So what this then means is that there's no dividend tax that applies when somebody sells a property in, say, the flipping company and then dividends the profits up to the holding company. And then the holding company can then invest those profits in the buy-to-let company. No tax, generally speaking, would have been paid in that case. Obviously, the flipping company will still pay corporation tax, but there'd be no dividend tax to pay. So it's a lot more tax efficient to do it that way. There's lots of other benefits then of using those group structures. And to come back to the question that you asked, the beauty then is, for example, you can transfer properties between companies within the same group and you can, with certain permissions and certain factors, you can do that without having to pay stamp duty, without having to pay capital gains tax and alike. So this is really where the power of group structures come in. The key thing is, is to get your group structure set up right from the start. Say, for example, I have a limited company. I can still set up a holding company and then that will hold my limited company and then I can form other companies afterwards. But the holding company sits at the top. Correct. Yes. So, yeah, it's it's almost like a an it's a, it's a, you visualize it as an upside down tree, if you will, whereby the holding company, as you say, is at the top and then Below that, you have the various um, active companies or, or subsidiary companies. So the, the flipping company, the buy-to-let, and the holding company owns the shares in those. Now, if, for example, like many investors, they've already got one company set up, the question that is regularly asked is, well, after a couple of years down the line, I now understand the benefit of having a group structure. Can I now put that holding company group structure in place because I'm now about to embark on a new property strategy? And the answer is yes. There's just several hoops to jump through, which I'll, I'll address in just a moment. Let's cut straight to the recommendation. The recommendation here is, is get your holding company set up on day one and then set up your subsidiary company for your primary or initial strategy. From that point, you really set up for the future because then when you want to embark on additional new strategies, you just simply create a brand new company and then issue the shares to the holding company that's it, job done, really simple, really cheap to do. Whereas if you're a few years down the line, then it is possible to put in above the holding company, above your existing company. But as I say, there are hoops to jump through. One of the tasks that needs to be done is what's called a share exchange. And, and you'll definitely want an accountant or tax advisor to do this for you. But in addition, before doing that, generally speaking, unless the company is almost brand new or has next to no value, you will have to seek HMRC clearance in order 
to do this. And that's what causes the complexity and, and takes the time. And that's why it's a little bit more expensive uh, to do. You also run the risk of HMRC saying, no, we, we do not give you clearance. And therefore, it leaves you in a position where effectively you can't make that transaction. So we will talk about tax avoidance on a later episode. So when seeking that clearance, it has to be made absolutely clear to HMRC that the reason for implementing the holding company structure is not to avoid or minimise uh, tax. It, it really isn't. And it is for bona fide commercial reasons. And in many cases, that, that there are many, many good reasons for doing that. And, and in particular, it, it is things like not wanting to mix buy-to-let and flipping businesses because of the risk associated with it. So that's a genuine commercial reason. So again, my advice is, is think ahead. Even if you're absolutely certain that you're only going to embark on one strategy, unless you're 100% sure on it, then it's probably worth Again, speaking to your advisor and, and considering putting that holding company in place now, the cost next to nothing to run. The company doesn't really do anything with hold the shares in the subsidiary company. Again, it's another insurance policy. You can sleep well at night. So basically, if you wanted to pass on everything to your children, you could just have your children as shareholders in the holding company. They wouldn't have to be shareholders in all the individual companies. Is that right? Indeed. So generally speaking, the holding company will own 100% of the shares in the subsidiary company. Okay. Another advantage of, of subsidiary companies is let's consider a, a joint venture, a JV. So let's say, for example, a property investor works with another individual to, let's say, flip a property. And they, in that case, they determined that they want to set up an SPV, a company to do just that. They want to own 50% of the profits each. So in this case, what would happen is that rather than that property investor setting up the company and owning 50% of the shares, instead, the SPV would be set up and 50% of the shares would be issued to that investor's holding company. And then the other 50% of the shares would be allocated or signed or issued to the investor. And they can structure it however they like. Let's just focus on the property investor that we're concerned about. When the flip occurs and is completed, again, the profits will need to be distributed to the shareholders. Again, the property investor may not want to use those profits today. They might just want to reinvest them in the business. So again, profits can be just paid to the, the holding company without any dividend tax being used. And then can be, that capital can then be deployed in other ways. Three things to note from today's episode are firstly, the advantages offered by group structures for investors who may operate a mixture of property strategies which have different tax treatments, such as buy-to-let investments they expect to hold for the long term and properties they're looking to flip. Group structures with a holding company sitting at the top allow you to move properties between your various companies without incurring stamp duty or capital gains tax. As with standalone limited companies, group structures also represent an efficient way of adding your children to your business. They can become shareholders in the holding company so that you can continue to enjoy the benefits of your investments while minimising inheritance tax when passing on the portfolio in the longer term. And the final point to emphasise was Sean's recommendation to get your group structure set up right from the start of your property story. While it's not too late if you delay, there are potentially more hoops to jump through such as obtaining clearance from HMRC. A quick reminder of Sean's contact details. His web address is propertytaxaccountant.uk 
And he's also on Instagram, where his handle is at property underscore tax underscore accountant underscore UK. In tomorrow's episode, we're talking CGT, capital gains tax. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe and join us tomorrow. You've been listening to Expat Property Story.